Picture this. You are the neurology attending, rounding on a busy university hospital service. Your intern presents the case of Herman, a 62-year-old man admitted with left lower extremity weakness. The intern has concluded that Herman has obviously had a stroke since he has a unilateral weakness. The intern recommends an MRI of the brain. After examining Herman yourself, you tell the intern, the problem is in the peripheral nerve, not the brain. Your intern looks at you, bewildered, and so you ask him, think back to his physical exam. What findings indicate that this is a lower motor neuron problem, not an upper motor neuron problem? Welcome to Audiobricks. I'm Laurel Toft, bringing neurology from our bricks to your ears. After completing this section, you will be able to 1. Briefly compare and contrast upper versus lower motor neuron lesions and the general approach to diagnosing each. 2. Describe spasticity and clonus along with their common causes. 3. Define and describe hyperreflexia and its common causes. 4. Describe fasciculations and fibrillations as well as their common causes. And five, define a positive Babinski sign and indicate the importance of its clinical finding. Part one, what are upper and lower motor neuron signs? Every movement we make is caused by the contraction of different muscles, which are themselves controlled by the neurons that innervate them. However, one long nerve fiber does not run from the brain all the way down the spinal cord to reach each muscle. Instead, our bodies use a two-neuron system with upper and lower motor neurons. First, there's the upper motor neuron, or the UMN, whose cell body resides in the primary motor cortex in the brain. There are many pathways for UMNs, or roads leading from brain to muscle. One well-described pathway is the lateral corticospinal tract. Neurons in this tract start in the motor cortex, then travel through the posterior limb of the internal capsule. In the medulla, these fibers decussate, meaning they cross over to the opposite side. They continue down the spinal cord as the lateral corticospinal tracts, also known as the pyramidal tracts. Then they synapse, think two Legos joining together but without any touching, <laughs> with the cell body of the lower motor neurons, or the LMNs, housed in the ventral horn of the spinal cord. The lower motor neuron, LMN, exits the spinal cord anteriorly as the ventral root and joins with the dorsal root, which carries sensory information. Together, these motor and sensory neurons form a spinal nerve. The spinal nerve exits the spinal cord by passing through the intravertebral foramen, and the LMNs continue through the roots, plexus, and peripheral nerves to synapse with the target muscle. Now that we remembered the location and pathways of UMNs and LMNs, let's discuss what happens when they get injured. Damage to upper or lower motor neurons produce distinct symptoms that correspond to the type of neuron and the muscle it innervates, allowing a clinician to narrow down the location of the injury, or as we like to say, locate the lesion. Injury to a UMN occurs with spinal cord or brain injuries, whereas damage to a LMN occurs with degeneration of anterior horn cells or with damage to the ventral nerve roots, plexus, or peripheral nerves. The definition of a LMN is a neuron that talks directly to muscle. So by this definition, cranial nerves 3, 4, 6, 7, and 9 through 12 are also lower motor neurons. So let's start with UMN injury. 
This typically produces weakness or paralysis and, quote, hyperactive signs like spasticity, clonus, hyperreflexia, and a positive Babinski sign. Remember, however, that these fibers decussate in the medulla, which means lesions either above or below this point affect different sides of the body. Lesions below the decussation affect the ipsilateral or same side of the body, whereas lesions above this decussation affect the contralateral or opposite side of the body to the lesion. So what about LMN injury? Damage to LMNs also leads to weakness or paralysis, but instead of hyperactivity, this damage leads to low activity signs like areflexia, hypotonia, and muscular atrophy over time. Damage to LMNs also causes fasciculations and fibrillations. Because these fibers never cross to the other side of the spinal cord or brainstem, all symptoms will be on the same side of the body as the lesion. For a quick clinical correlation to what we just covered, let's discuss two different motor neuron diseases. Motor neuron diseases are progressive neurologic disorders that destroy motor neurons, of which post-polio syndrome is an example. In acute poliomyelitis, the anterior horn LMNs of the spinal cord and brainstem are attacked by the poliovirus. It manifests as flaccid, asymmetric weakness and muscle atrophy due to denervation of associated skeletal muscles. Polio, a very common disease as recently as the middle of the last century, is now almost eradicated thanks to the success of poliovirus vaccine. Another clinical correlation is that amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig disease, is a disease of both upper and lower motor neurons. Therefore, in a patient presenting with both signs, consider ALS. Time for a knowledge check. Question. What neurologic disease causes both upper and lower motor neuron signs? Answer is... Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig disease, causes both upper and lower motor neuron signs. Let's look more closely now at the signs themselves with that damage to motor neurons cause. We'll start with UMN signs. Part 2. Upper motor neuron signs. With UMN lesions, the muscles are disconnected from the control of the brain, which usually means a removal of inhibition. I like to think of UMN signs as, quote, hyperactive or more active muscles. So let's start with spasticity and clonus. Spasticity is an increase in muscle tone resulting in constant contraction of the muscle. Normally, input from the cerebral cortex inhibits the spinal cord reflex arc, allowing muscles to relax. However, when UMNs are damaged, this inhibitory influence is removed, resulting in loss of inhibition of the spinal cord reflex, therefore causing increased muscle tension. Closely related is clonus, a rhythmic pattern of muscle contractions, usually at a rate of 3 to 8 beats per second. It is thought to be caused by hyperactive stretch reflexes due to the loss of inhibitory signals from the cortex, as well as increased signaling time. More distal joints, such as ankles, more commonly exhibit clonus because of the exaggerated effect of increased signaling time on the longer reflex pathways. Clonus is commonly tested for by quickly dorsiflexing the ankle. Spasticity and clonus may be seen in patients who have had strokes, cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, or spinal cord injury. Let's pause to check your knowledge. Question. What is the difference between spasticity and clonus? 
Answer. Spasticity is increased muscle tone with constant contraction, whereas clonus is a rhythmic pattern of muscle contractions. Another UMN sign is hyperreflexia. This describes overactive stretch reflexes. A reflex is caused by a change in the length of the muscle, which stretches the muscle spindle, where stretch receptors are in the muscle body, and causes the muscle to contract. Similar to spasticity, hyperreflexia is due to the loss of inhibitory signaling from the cerebral cortex. Some of the more common causes include stroke and spinal cord injury. However, hyperreflexia can be seen in other conditions such as hyperthyroidism, serotonin syndrome, and preeclampsia. Quick quiz time! What is the pathophysiology of hyperreflexia? Hyperreflexia results from the loss of inhibitory signaling from the cerebral cortex due commonly to stroke and spinal cord injury and less commonly to other conditions such as hyperthyroidism, serotonin syndrome, and preeclampsia. The last UMN sign I'll mention today is the Babinski sign. This is elicited by a physical exam maneuver in which the physician strokes the sole of the patient's foot from the heel to the toes. Normally, the toes should flex or point in response. However, in someone with damage to the pyramidal tracts, the big toe extends and the other toes fan out. A positive Babinski sign typically represents the loss of uninhibited spinal motor neuron activity due to loss of pyramidal tract control. However, in infants, this result is considered normal because myelination of the corticospinal tracts is not usually complete until approximately 12 months of age. Part 3. Lower Motor Neuron Signs Taking a closer look at LMN signs. Remember that in a lower motor neuron lesion, the muscle is disconnected from the LMN. This leads to areflexia, lack of reflexes, hypotonia, low tone, muscle atrophy, thinning, and wasting away, as well as weakness and paralysis. But two signs deserve further explanation. First, fasciculations. Fasciculations cause a spontaneous electrical discharge of the entire motor unit. Many muscle fibers spontaneously depolarize, resulting in a muscle twitch that can be visualized with the naked eye. These twitches are just spontaneous muscle activity disconnected from any nerve impulse. Fasciculations can be seen with any LMN lesion, but are most commonly seen with diseases of the anterior horn cells, such as ALS and polio. It's also important to realize that normal individuals without LMN disease have fasciculations. The most common location is the eyelid where twitches can occur. The general rule of thumb is that fasciculations without weakness are benign. Fasciculations with weakness indicate LMN disease. Interestingly, eyelid fasciculations are uncommon in ALS. So the next time you experience eyelid twitches, don't worry that you're developing a serious neurologic condition. Now, fibrillations represent the spontaneous electrical discharge of a single muscle fiber that has lost its nerve supply. So, fibrillations are much smaller and can only be appreciated during electromyography, EMG study, in which a needle is inserted into the muscle. Knowledge check time. What is the difference between fasciculations with and without weakness? The general rule of thumb is that fasciculations without weakness are benign, but fasciculations with weakness indicate LMN disease. And that's it for signs of upper and lower motor neuron lesions. Let's check your knowledge and see what you've learned from this episode. First, 
Can you name the signs of UMN lesions? UMN lesions result in weakness, hyperreflexia, hypertonia, spasticity, clonus, and a positive Babinski sign. Now, what are some signs of a LMN lesion? LMN lesions result in weakness, areflexia, hypotonia, fibrillations, fasciculations, and muscular atrophy. What causes spasticity and clonus? Spasticity and clonus are signs of damage to the UMN and result from the loss of inhibitory input from the cerebral cortex, leading to increased muscle tone. Next, what are some common causes of hyperreflexia? Common causes of hyperreflexia, a UMN sign, are stroke and spinal cord injury, although it's also seen in other pathologies. What causes fasciculations and fibrillations? Fasciculations and fibrillations are caused by degeneration of the LMNs, leading to the generation of a spontaneous electrical discharge. And finally, what are the differences between fasciculations and fibrillations? Fasciculations, an LMN sign, are muscle twitches visible to the naked eye, whereas fibrillations are only detectable on EMG. And we're done. Armed with your newfound knowledge, let's think back to our patient from earlier in this episode. Herman, a 62-year-old man, was admitted with left lower extremity weakness. Your intern assumed the unilateral weakness was indicative of a stroke. However, there were several clues on his exam pointing to a lower motor neuron problem. which included both hyporeflexia and muscle atrophy. Herman had no spasticity or clonus, and when the lateral aspect of his foot was stroked, his toes were downgoing, a negative Babinski sign. As your intern recounts these findings, he remembers that this constellation of signs points to a lower motor neuron lesion, not a stroke. And that's our show. If you like this episode, send us a comment or give us a thumbs up. You can enjoy the Fullbrook experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you're ready. Until next time.